You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramapi Shem Israel 5769, 2009. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Devarim. At the beginning of the Parsha, we have the beginning of a speech that Moshe ben Moses made to the Jewish people right before he was to pass away. The Torah says that the speech was actually given on the first day of the month of Adar, 11th month. And in fact, our sages teach us that he died seven days later on the seventh day of Adar, which was also his birthday. In any event, the speech, the beginning of the speech, so of course we know that the first thing that a person says in a speech, or the first thing that a person says in any event, is always what's on the top of his mind. And if we look at the beginning of this speech, so we're going to see something which is essential for the Jewish people at this very point, 40 years after they left Mitzrayim, after they left Egypt, they're about to enter into the land of Israel, and Moshe is giving them a lesson, and it's not just any lesson, but it's the essential lesson that the Jews need as they enter into Israel. And the question is, what is the lesson? So, he doesn't just speak about mitzvah observance, he doesn't just speak about the commandments, which of course he does spend a lot of time on throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Rather, what does he do? The first thing he does is he gives teichacha, he gives musr, he gives them rebuke, and he tells them about all of the different sins that were committed throughout their 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And he goes back, he gives them a history lesson 40 years earlier, let's rewind, and our sages tell us that the beginning of the parsha, there are a few different veiled references, some of the things he spoke of openly, but some of the things he just hinted to. It talks about Suf, it talks about something that happened at Yamsuf, which was when the Jewish people came to the Sea of Reeds, they were being followed by the Egyptians, so they complained to Moshe, they said, why did you take us out? Return us back to that land. And so Moshe Rabbeinu was pointing out, they rebelled in a certain sense against God at that point. And then Vidi Zahav, it's the name of a place, but it also refers to something that happened with Zahav. Zahav means gold. And it's referring to the golden calf, that the Jews sinned with the golden calf, and they rebelled against God. And then the verses tell us more openly and explicitly about the sin of the Jewish people with the spies, that for 40 years they ended up wandering in the wilderness because of those 40 days that the spies were spying on the land of Israel. And the Jewish people accepted their evil report. And as we know, on what day did that occur? It happened on Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of Av, which is fast approaching. It's coming up this coming Thursday. And we commemorate that sad day. That the Jewish people accepted the evil report of the spies. They cried. And because they cried on that night, God said, because you cry tonight, tonight is going to be a day of crying for all generations. And both the first temple and the second temple were destroyed on that very day, the ninth of Av. And we mourn that destruction. And we also mourn the destruction to this very day of all the different facets, all the different negative occurrences that have occurred to the Jewish people throughout history because they all are a result of the fact that we were sent into exile because God's Shekhinah, His divine presence, did not dwell upon us to the same extent. Therefore, all the evil that has befallen the Jewish people was a result of that. So that was something that Moshe Rabbeinu gave him chastisement for. He said, you cried at that time and you caused the Jewish people to have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And he goes on, he continues. And the question is, of course, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the children, perhaps, of those people who had done these sins so many years before. But the people who he was speaking to, they were about to enter the land of Israel. The reason that they were able to enter the land of Israel is because they were not involved in that original sin and all those sins. 
So the question is, why was Moshe Rabbeinu chastising them for something that they had not even done? What was the message? What was the essential point that he was trying to make to them as they were about to step into the land of Israel? That's question number one. A different question that seems unrelated but is directly related is the question in regards to the concept of Tisha B'av. As we mentioned on Tisha B'av, so we mourn over the destruction of the temples, but another thing that we do is we mention all of those tragedies that occurred as a result of the destruction of the temples. We mention the Crusades, and we mention all of the different killings of the Jewish people. We mention the Holocaust, and we mention all these negative things, and it's really depressing. And we cry, and we sit on the floor, and we act like mourners. And the question is, why? What is the purpose of this? You know, we can't change the past. What is the purpose? You know, and if it's to say, like, you know, we have Holocaust Remembrance Day, lest we forget, we have to make sure it never happens again. I mean, come on. Who are we kidding? Unfortunately, the world does not learn from history. And there were negative things that occurred to us, and it's really a result of our sins in a certain sense. Of course, we can't completely understand why the Holocaust happened. But we can understand that negative things befall us as a result of our not being close to God, as a result of us not doing what we were supposed to do, as a result of us not having that temple. So what's the point of harping on those negative things, all those tragedies that occurred? What's the understanding? What's the message of Tisha B'av? Now I'd like to take a slightly afield, not far afield, but a little bit off the kind of questions that we've been asking until now, and ask something else in regards to what's mentioned in the Parsha. And the, the Torah, so as we said, so Moshe Rabbeinu goes through all these different things all the times that the Jewish people complained. And so the question is like this. We always find, and this is a question that I've hint, hinted to before, and or I've mentioned before, we haven't, I don't feel like we've properly dealt with this question. The question is, every single time that the Jewish people sin, so God says, Almost invariably, I'm going to destroy the Jewish people because of this. And Moshe then responds, God, you can't destroy the Jewish people because the nations of the world will say, you brought them out into the wilderness to destroy them in the wilderness. You couldn't bring them into Israel. It will look bad for you, God. Don't destroy the Jewish people. Don't forget about your promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You said you're going to bring their people, their children, into the land of Israel. What's going to be with that promise? Each time Moshe Rabbeinu, yeah, he begs God for mercy, and God responds and says, okay, You've argued well, and he agrees. Salachti kitvarach, I will forgive as you have said. So the question is, of course, why is it that God responds with this incredible anger, and he's ready to do tremendous destruction? And why is it that Moshe is always able to appease God? It seems very strange. We know that God is not fickle. God does not change his mind. It's clear that God had no intent to destroy the Jewish people from the beginning. Because if he did, then you can't have a Moshe, a Moses, coming along and convincing God to do something else. It doesn't really make sense. God knows everything. He knows this argument as well. What's the understanding of this description that the Torah gives us each and every time? And not only that, but it's even more difficult to understand. Because we find that our sages tell us that there are 13 attributes of mercy that God teaches to Moses. This is a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara says, if not for the fact that the verses say this, it would be impossible to actually say this. However, the verses teach us that in a certain sense, you have to know what this means. There are deep Kabbalistic understandings of this. But... In a certain sense, God wrapped himself up in a talus, and he said to Moses, he said to him, anytime the Jewish people sin, I want you to repeat, I want you to say to me the 13 attributes of mercy, 
And when you say these 13 attributes of mercy, Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum, Vechanun, God, is a God who is merciful. Erech HaPayim, He's slow to anger. Rav Chesev Emes, He does tremendous amounts of kindness and truth, etc. And we say these 13 attributes on Yom Kippur, we say them on fast days. The question is, what's going on here? God doesn't know these things. He doesn't know that he's merciful. He needs Moshe Rabbeinu to remind him to be merciful. What's the understanding of this? Something else is interesting that actually has to do with the same idea is that our sages tell us that when a person dies after 120 years, God willing, so he comes up to heaven and there's a judgment that occurs to this person. They say to him, well, did you, when you were doing business, did you do all of your business dealings honestly? And they ask him, did you set aside times for learning Torah? And they ask him all kinds of different questions and they try to evaluate his lifetime, whether he fulfilled his potential, whether he used the time adequately for spiritual pursuits, or whether he wasted his life. Now, who's on this court? So our sages tell us that besides for the angels that are involved in the judgment, there are also certain human beings, also certain people who are involved in the court proceedings as well. Who are these people? These are the greatest sages of the generation of the person who is indeed being judged at this time. And the question is, why is it necessary? Or what's the understanding of the fact that there are human beings, sages, rabbis, Talmudic scholars who are involved in the judgment of human beings? What's wrong with the angels? What's wrong with their judgment? And the concept that we see here is something unbelievable and beautiful. And that is that in the world of spirituality, in the world above the physical world, so there are many different levels of reality. However, in the spiritual world that's inhabited by the angels and where judgment takes place, so that world is a world of pure mishpah, pure judgment. And what that means is, when you enter into that level of reality, there is no possibility to deny that God exists, because there it's clearly apparent. In fact, we find that there's a concept that even though theoretically a malach, an angel, has free will, however, he has as much free will as you have to jump off a building. Meaning, you can, if you choose, to jump off a building. However, no person in their right mind would ever do so. A thing. And the reason is because you know that when you jump off the building, you know what the results are going to be. There's going to be a splat and you're going to be dead. So you would never jump off a building. Similarly, an angel has pure and clear knowledge of the fact that God exists and to deny or to do something opposite of God's will would be ridiculous. It would be just the same as jumping off of a building. It would mean the end of his existence. So therefore, an angel in that level of reality has no free will in this sense. And in fact, it's quite difficult for an angel to understand a human being. Because a human being lives in physical reality. And in that reality that we live in, so God's presence is pretty much completely concealed. Of course, it is possible to sense His presence in a certain sense, depending on a person's level of spiritual sensitivity. But it's also possible to sense God by looking for God and hearing God and putting two and two together. But in any event, to the naked eye, God is not there. It's impossible to see Him. And that's what allows for us to have free choice. And it's essential that we have free choice in order to choose to do God's will. That has to do with the entire purpose of creation. In any event, because we live in the physical world and we have this free choice, therefore, besides for there being a concept of strict judgment, there's also a concept of rachamim, of mercy. And God looks at us and says, okay, since it's impossible for you to see completely what reality is and that I exist, therefore, we can show you mercy 
mercy. We can show you rachamim. We can give you a time of grace. We can give you an opportunity to change perhaps while you're in this world. And we can look at you differently than how we would look at you if you existed in the spiritual world exclusively. So now when a person gets up to Shemaim, up to heaven, and they're judging him, it's not enough to be judged by the angels because they can't understand a human being. How can a human being do a sin? That's why there have to be sages, people who are around, who live specifically in the time of the person who's being judged, who understand the challenges of each generation. They're involved. They're involved at every level. This also explains why is it that every time, in a certain sense, God gets angry and he calls upon Moshe ben Moses to respond with a limutzchus, with some way of finding virtue in the Jewish people. And the answer is, because in a certain sense, of course, God does exist in this world. However, he gives over the right and the opportunity for man to affect the judgment, to affect how God will look at an individual and how God will look at the Jewish people. And that is because since man habitates the physical world and he habitates a place which it's almost completely devoid of a perception of spirituality, therefore man has an opportunity to speak on his own behalf, to sway God, so to speak, as it were, to see it from our perspective, to judge us based on the fact that we can't really perceive him well. Now let's bring this back to the first two questions that we asked because we'll be able to see a greater depth in this idea as we bring it back there. And the first two questions that we asked was why was it that Moshe Rabbeinu Moses was chastising the Jewish people in regards to something that had not even been done by then, since that hadn't been done by the Jewish people. Forty years before, the Jewish people that were entering into the land of Israel right now, they hadn't done these sins. What's the understanding? And also we asked why on Tisha B'Av do we speak about the past? What, what's going on? What's the, what's the message? So there's a beautiful Ramban at the beginning of the Parsha, and he explains that the message that Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to give over to the Jewish people was that if you look at your history, I'm not coming to just tell you the things you did wrong. Look at what happened when you did something wrong. God was able to forgive you. I was able to pray on your behalf, and God was willing to have rachm, have mercy upon you. You thought to yourselves, how can we possibly come into the land of Israel after 40 days of these spies going throughout the land, seeing all the negative things, coming back and telling their horrible report. We accepted their report. And what happened? The Jewish people said, God's not going to be with us. He doesn't want us to go into the land of Israel. He's not going to help us out. We're not going to be able to conquer. It was a lack of self-esteem that was in the Jewish people. And despite that, God forgave you for that lack. And He said to you, there's going to be an opportunity. As we mentioned previously in the previous Parsha podcast, there was another opportunity to rebuild that self-esteem on the part of the Jewish people. And what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying was like this, it's completely dependent upon you. If you sin, God has it within Him to have rachamim, to have mercy. But it depends on you. God told me that I need to say Hashem, Hashem, kel racham v'chanun. It's dependent on my attitude, my response. If I do an aver, if I do a sin, naturally, there's a concept of mishpat, of midah connected midah, measure for measure. If a person sins, he has to be punished. However, there's a grace period. It's called Racham. It's called mercy. And that gives every person an opportunity to say to himself, hey, I can look at myself in a much more positive light. I can change the past. I can look toward a better future. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing when he spoke to God. God was angry. There was Mishpat. There was measure for measure. Moshe Rabbeinu gets up and says, let's look at this in a different light. There's a future for the Jewish people. Let's look at it from this perspective. The Jewish people can walk into the land of Israel. Let's give them another chance. Let's have Rachamim. Let's have mercy. And God says, yes, that is what I want to do. Only with that understanding, understanding that no matter what 
we do, God is always there to forgive us. God has never said, God never gives up hope. We say this in our Yom Kippur davening. Until the day that a Russia, an evil person dies, God is waiting for him to do tshuva, to repent. And it's the worst thing that a person can say, how could I ever repent? How could I come back to God? I'm so horrible, he could never forgive me. That's a mistake, because we're painting God to be ourselves. We think we can't forgive ourselves, therefore God can't forgive us. That's the mistake, and that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to the Jewish people. You want to enter into the land of Israel, you have to know that no matter what you do, God can and will be on your side, but it depends on your attitude. If your attitude is, I'm already destroyed, I'm a horrible person, I can never make it back, so then you're not going to have any chance. God can't forgive you, measure for measure, because you can't forgive yourself, God can't forgive you. But if you can realize that God is greater than you, God is God, He's the greatest being, He wants to give you the ultimate light, the ultimate goodness. And if you choose to recognize this and realize that you can come close to Him, despite the evil things that you've done, so then God will always be with you. God will never forsake you. And if you have that recognition, you can walk into the land of Israel. And when you walk into the land of Israel, wherever you go, you will succeed. You will conquer. And God will help you conquer because you recognize that He's always there for you. And when you recognize that He's in your life, He is in your life. He takes part in your life. He forgives you for the sins. When you recognize those sins and you recognize that there's an opportunity for Him to forgive you. But we have to change, of course. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. He was reminding them of all the different times that they had sinned and they had taken the opportunity to rebuild and God had forgiven them and given them another, given them another chance. And they had used that other chance. And that's the reason why they were standing on the threshold of the land of Israel. Because now they had taken that opportunity for growth. And they had grown. And they had become greater people. And they had greater recognition of the fact that God was in their midst. And that's how they were able to walk into the land of Israel and realize that dream of creating a place, a land, a sacred land called Israel, where they would be completely committed and consumed with the concept of serving God and bringing God into their midst. The message here is obvious. The message is that we need to take into ourselves this idea that anytime, no matter what it is, no matter what we do, it's never too late to return to God. God is always waiting there for us. And we have to know if we want to strive spiritually, we want to grow spiritually, the only way that that's possible is only if we recognize that Hashem, that God forgives, even if we can't forgive ourselves, God can still forgive us. Once we recognize that God is on our side, we can accomplish anything. We can reach any spiritual height. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful Shabbos.